Welcome to Movie Moments, discussing the greatest movies of all time. Plus, all the newest films in theaters and streaming. Like us, rate us, share us. Here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. We're back with another edition of Movie Moments. Mike Rags, Chuck Curry talking about the world of movies. Another busy show with big stars uh, on the back end. We've got uh, Malcolm McDowell, one of my favorite villains growing up in the 70s, 80s, and beyond. And uh, and Hillary Swank will join us. So she's got a brand new movie, which Chuck's going to review here in a couple of seconds. A two-time Oscar winner. Uh, you know, she started out as, you know, I'm on TV and next karate kid. And now she's a major movie star with a brand new movie in theaters that Chuck actually got a chance to see. And we'll talk about that in seconds. So we've got lots to do. Malcolm McDowell, Hillary Swank, and the third biggest star on the show today is Chuck Curry. Chuck, how you doing? I'm doing really good, Mike. I got to tell you, I've never worked harder on a radio program than I've done in the last uh, few months, but we're building a good thing, getting a lot of good people, involved in the program and i think it's something for the listeners to really look forward to yeah no doubt about it and uh it, it let's start with movie releases this weekend and the reason why hillary swank is on the show is because she does have a new movie that hit theaters and you're going to talk about it right now so give us a quick review yeah it's called ordinary angels it opened last weekend hillary's doing the rounds trying to drum up uh, enough business. You know, the interesting part about this film, I looked at the production notes, Mike, it's, it was produced for $12 million, which is a very uh, economical budget for a film that opened around $7 million in business. I, I watched it uh, the other day. I went by myself to my local multiplex afternoon show. And I got to tell you, uh, I have not felt this type of emotional catharticism watching a movie since I watched Shelley Winters, Bell Rose and Jump into the engine room head first into the water to save Gene Hackman's <laughs> Reverend Scott. Now I'm, I'm serious. Like I, it, this movie got into my nervous system. I, uh, it was so cathartically emotional. And I was really, I, I sat did, there. Did I, you I cry? There, my, Were you crying? I, I, I border crying. I wow. didn't, I never full blown, I never full blown cry, but I got to tell you my, you know, when you like your mouth starts to quiver, like yeah. where you can't where you can't control like your emo emotions. It really got to me emotional. And she plays Hillary Swank, who I've always respected immensely, even more after uh, I got a chance to interview her. But she plays this real life person. Her name is uh, Sharon Stevens, and she's a hairdresser. The movie takes place in the 1990s. It's based on a, a fact based story. And as the movie evolves, I don't want to give it all away, but you find out uh, more about her character. And she's uh, not a perfect person, more imperfect than many. And she's in a supermarket, Mike, one day uh, after her friend. She owns a, a beauty salon, small beauty. She's a small business owner. And a friend tells her that she has to take a different outlook on on life. And she has to do some self uh, d discovery. And I think she takes it to heart. So she goes in, in the supermarket, looks in the newspaper and she sees an article about a father who just lost his wife to an illness and his daughter has a terminal illness. She needs a, um, a, a liver transplant. Now she does not know this person. She winds up going and it's played by actor Alan 
Richin, and she goes to the funeral, not knowing him, introduces herself. He looks at her like, well, you know, thanks for coming. He, he doesn't know who she is. She walks out and then she goes back to the beauty shop. And then she orchestrates this fundraiser in which she raises uh, $3,400 for medical bills of, of this little girl, knocks on the guy's door in the first really in subtle but powerful emotional scene in the, in the film, builds uh, slowly builds a relationship with the family against sort of the wishes of uh, Alan Richmond's character. Now, this guy, Mike, is now $400,000 in debt in medical bills. As the story evolves, you learn about the Hillary Swank's backstory, which is very emotional and extremely interesting. And you understand their relationship, which he keeps fighting. It's not, it's not a, a romantic relationship. Uh, in any way. And as the movie goes on, it just really, it pulls the heartstrings on a subtle way. The script was co-written by Meg Tilly. Now Meg Tilly. Yeah. Uh, uh, co-starred with Anthony Perkins in, in Psycho 2. She's been retired as an actress, I think for a decade and a half. Has gone into screenwriting. She did a really good job on this script. Now what I liked about this movie, and I talked about this to Hillary in, in the interview, we talked about the concept of why is this movie being billed as a faith-based film? And she loved the question because I acknowledged that I asked Neil McDonough when I interviewed him uh, two months ago when he was promoting The Shift. And I agreed and she agreed that I don't see this movie as a quote-unquote faith-based film. Uh, it's more of a human drama about what people can do for each other. Uh, it does reference you know, uh, a God and it chose church and it, it is based on, 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 on community, but it never, ever hits you over the head with uh, re 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 religious allegory uh, or the importance of belief in God, which I, I, I don't discount um, as, as a bad thing. Obviously, I, I think, you know, faith is a good thing in, in, in the culture to some extent, but this is about, this is a movie about people. And I got to tell you, Mike, when the in the last twenty minutes of this film, there's a sequence which is based on real life where they have to transport this girl, uh, I believe, six hours away to a uh, facility to get her a transplant. And Alan Richmond is in the car by himself, driving his daughter to the trying to get her to to the uh, to the to the airport. And there's a massive snowstorm, and he can't get through a road that's blocked. And you feel his frustration and the community, which he does not know at this point, is trying to help in via the helicopter. She orchestrates amazing things, this character in this movie, private plane. Uh, she's one of these people, almost like uh, channeling like Erin Brockovich, like she's just a hairdresser and right. she's able to do amazing things on a very personal uh, level. And I got to tell you, when this in the last act of this movie, Mike, my adrenaline was pumping like I was watching Die Hard. Like, like it worked on such an interesting uh, human level that um, I wound up loving the film. And I told Hillary that, uh, you know, I made a comparison in my head when I was watching it. it. It sort of felt like Aaron Brockovich or The Blind Side. Like it was a very strong story about a female character. She was awesome in it. And Alan Richmond who's playing against type if you watch Reacher, you know, this big, hulking, muscular guy, 
but he was very subtle in his acting and their work together, bouncing off together. I, I thought w- was outstanding. I'd give this, I'd give this movie an eight and a half out of 10. And if you want to see a character driven old school movie that uh, has emotional pull, that is, I think primarily all earned ordinary angels is a really good movie. And if you see it with a crowd at a theater, I, I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I, I highly recommend the film. Well, uh, also, and that's high praise. Uh, looking forward to seeing it is, that. It also, is. in theaters this weekend, and the hype is out there. Dune Part Two. Um, what are we What are we looking here, projection wise? Because you're hearing some amazing numbers here. If people are actually going to see this brand new Denis Villeneuve a sequel to the movie that really came out during COVID a few years back. Well, here here's the thing about this. Um, it's Thursday night previews, it did 12 million in business, meaning it's on tracking to do a very solid $80 million plus here domestically overseas, uh, probably better. Uh, the director did a great job in terms of uh, uh, bringing the film in a budget, uh, pr- reported around $190 million. Advance, if you go on YouTube, you know, there's a handful of mainstay reviewers that are very well known on YouTube that simply adore, and I mean adore this movie, referencing it as one of the best sci-fi movies in decades. The yeah, I've heard comparisons to Empire Strikes Back is actually, now, I've heard a lot of now, comparisons. But, but here, here, here's the thing. I don't know if this material will resonate with the mass populace around the edges of that core group that really gets into this type of thing. I don't think Dune has a breakout appeal that a Star Wars film or, would have. Or even, you, or even an Avatar. Or, or, yeah, you know, you, even, so you would agree? Yeah, it just doesn't. I don't know why. Um, a lot are, of you excited to, are you excited no, to see it? I, I, no, I'm I, not. I'll, I'll probably I, wind up going to see simply because the people who like it do love it. And that does light a fire for me to to motivate me to go see it i I will be honest on that fact yeah i i agree there is some fascination there for me but i i sat through the first one and i was bored to tears so Mm -hmm. okay you know but a lot different you know different time uh maybe going in the imax maybe that's a big thing maybe i'll enjoy it um but yeah something about and i love the director denny villanueva villanueva well, Venezuela, I can't even say his name. Anyway, he's done yeah. Arrival. He's done uh, Prisoners. I've, I've loved his yeah. work. He's, he's yeah, really good. good. Um, yes. So uh, Sicario, another great film he's done. So I I just couldn't get into the first one. And I I, I don't like the uh, source material either. I know that's a big deal, too. There's a big Dune following out there with the, the novels back in the day. Even the 80s movie, uh, I couldn't get into it. So... Uh, does it make me do cartwheels? No, but does it pique my interest because of the buzz that this one is getting? Yes, I'm not going to lie. Okay, I did I get a ch- over t- I did get a yes. chance to sit down and and watch a couple of movies. Now I started watching Spaceman, which is actually on Netflix mm-hmm. now, debuted this week right. with uh, Adam Sandler, brand new film. Uh, it's intriguing so far, to say the least, about a, a one man space flight to Saturn and how he's dealing with uh, a giant spider that's voiced by Paul Dano. Um, uh, it, it's uh, quite interesting. I haven't gotten through it at all yet, so I'm I am I'm interested enough to see the back end. I did want to bring up, I get a chance to see a movie called, which brings me to you, Chuck. And we've been talking over the last few weeks 
about um, the rom-com and how popular the Sydney Sweeney movie is uh, uh, that uh, anyone but you high concept right. along with, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the best looking man on the face of the earth right now too. hard to argue that Glenn Powell. Um, but I saw this movie, which brings me to you smaller budget, I guess, but it stars um, two very, very appealing actors and actresses and i don't know lucy hale i don't know how familiar you are with yeah, her i am her, i am i watched her work films. her work is always consistently good and she falls in love with nat wolf at a wedding and they go through one night together out on the uh sag harbor in new york long island and fall in love and talk about their old love story you know who they fall in love with and how they which brings me to you is where's the title and i as i'm watching and it's very appealing because these these two actresses, actor, this actor and actress, obviously, to me, are as appealing as the other one, especially Nat Wolf, who now looks me, like this is an R-rated. This is R-rated. It's an R movie. Yeah, it's an R-rated movie. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. funny. It's touching. Um, I'm, look, I'm not saying it's great art, but it it just, I, I guess, I bring it up because why doesn't this movie, which is already, you know, on an airplane, <laughs> frankly. Why does this movie not get that same type as it just because strictly of star appeal, I guess of who's hot now. Uh, But these two actors are every bit as good, if not better than Sidney Sweeney and Glenn Powell. And this movie somehow will get lost. The other one will make a ton of money where maybe if they got behind it, because it's well-written, it's got a great soundtrack. They remind me a lot of when Harry met Sally, to be honest with you, just, just the tone of it. It's not quite as funny. And, you know, obviously the, the leads aren't as good as those leads, but I recommend it, which brings me to you. And it's just perplexing that a movie like this gets no rom-com love, but the other one does. Um, And and the other one seems like it's high concept stupidity. And they both are about basically the same thing, getting fallen in love at a wedding. But one can actually happen. The other one, you just got to suspend your disbelief a little bit to believe that these two great looking people are struggling with finding love. um, And they have to pretend to be a couple. I mean, it's just stupid to me where you got a nice touching smaller story that nobody's going to see that I really enjoyed. I, I think, I think it's a good point. That's a good, uh, actually a good topic to talk about. I, I think, I think part of the issue is, is, is leverage. I, I think Sydney Sweeney has wedged herself into America's pop culture. You know, they're going to, they're going to, uh, position her, or she's already being positioned, uh, as you know, the next big, thing in pop well, they had culture. to totally she's, remarket madam webb right because they oh yeah, my god I she's mean, in this <laughs> listen she played she listen we're we're doing the show in 2024 so she plays extremely well on social media and tiktok yes. right uh so i mean that that's really what they're looking for and at the end of the day it really comes down to are they willing to pull who the entity willing to release this theatrically are they willing to pull the trigger in terms of marketing dollars, you know, because at, at the least you got to spend $15 million. That's the least at the high point, 25 to 30 to get, you know, a broad audience to know your film exists. You got, if you know, there's a saying more than ever, you know, if, if it doesn't open, it closes. And that opening weekend is of the utmost uh, importance. And, you know, that started way back, you know, in, in the late eighties, especially, you know, Burton's Batman, uh, ch- change the landscape but now even be- even then you didn't have social media li- like you do now but l- let me ask you a question lucy hale uh 
Interesting. What do you what, yeah. what do you see what do you see I'll, out of her in the next five years? Well, it's been interesting too because which brings me to you, which I would recommend highly, um, is not the first of mm-hmm. these types of movies for Lucy Hale. If you go back and you look at, I mean, she's done a lot of straight to streaming, um, uh, independent women she trying to find called, love. I, I love. I think she did a movie called. I think uh, it was called I Love Dogs, and she did it with uh, uh, the guy from the the Flash TV show. Right, uh, right. She's and, done a and, lot and, of these and, films. Yeah, she's a guy. She's got appeal. She has. She appeal, does. No she's doubt. very talented. And these two, this is not. This is done. This movie is very serious too at times, and there's it, it's got some heart to it as well. And and Nat Wolf has always been good. Every time I seen him, I remember seeing him for the first time. I think in like Hereditary, but he always pops up in these movies and always puts in a solid performance. And he's got an interesting look to him too. He doesn't look like that. You know, obviously mm-hmm. like Glenn Powell, but um. It, they have great chemistry together. Uh, he, it's just interesting to me how um, a movie like this can get lost, and it can look like oh, one of these you know Lucy Hale pictures, but it's really got a little bit more to it. Um, yeah, I liked her when she was a Pretty Little Liars, right? She was on that TV show um, that uh, right, right. that was on for a few years. I think she's got great appeal. Um, she's slender and tiny in stature. She's not, you know. Obviously, you look at Sydney Sweeney, it's just a different look. Um, but Lucy Hale is beautiful, talented, and probably should be getting bigger roles than she's gotten. Instead, she's gotten stuck and kind of pigeonholed into these types of movies. But at least this one has got some depth to it that I really enjoyed. Good, uh, good subject. Now, bouncing off that subject, yeah, I want to talk about the aspect of, you know, you pull out I, when I pull, put on my cell phone, I look at I go to Facebook, right? Now I'm yep. constantly getting because I guess you know we're movie we do movie stuff, you know, and I Google search engine movie stuff. You know, a lot of stuff pops up on my my Facebook feed. And, you know, before the show, I I pulled out Facebook, and you know, one of the trailers popped up to Ricky Stenicki, which is yeah, going to so premiere on it's on, on Prime on, on next week. It's on Prime right, next Ma- weekend, <laughs> March seventh. Zach Efron, John Cena, and a handful of actors I I've never before and again you know it's going to be one of these projects that it probably has you know decent or maybe a lot of entertainment value that's not going to be seen in a movie theater that goes straight to uh prime i got a question for you that popped in my head yesterday the new ghostbusters movie which comes out at the end of the month are you feeling it i I, i'm not um yeah i don't know i i i'm not feeling much of any reason to go to the movie theaters recently, but that's probably the next time I'll go unless my daughter drags me out to Kung Fu Panda four. Uh, but even she's getting a little too old for that. Um, I, I it's, saw it's that gonna need, it's going to need really good buzz, Mike. It, it, well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's an odd time to release it. It's movies like that should really come out around Halloween and stuff. Um, but, or in the summer, I agree. uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the <laughs> Ricky Stenicki, I, popped up i'm like i mean i laughed in in the trailer i did yeah it has funny moments Um, it has you know um and and Cena has done he's carved out a a interesting career now too um i thought zach efron might be done with these type of movies but um i he has an interesting conversation in itself yeah Yeah. listen I, i i told you you know when i saw uh the the uh iron claw uh yeah i right. think it was you know, well, look at really, remember really how good, good, remember how good he was as Ted Bundy too. That movie great. that came out a few years back, he's great. And, and listen, movie. he he showed his his uh you know, mu- musical chops 
in in the Greatest Showman. I, yeah. I thought he was I thought he was done yeah. making this type of film, but I guess the casting directors keep going back to that part of the well uh, and and, Look, and pull, pulling them back. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of either neighbors movies. Baywatch was awful. The bad grandpa was awful. Uh, The wedding movie he made uh, was bad. I mean, he kept playing the same frat boy part over and over again. It was getting quite annoying. Um, This maybe he's a little more mature here. And I, I, like I said, I'm not, we can't lie here, Chuck. There's some parts of the, of the trailer that look funny, but again, it's Apple. I'm sorry. Prime video coming next week. Uh, straight to video. We'll see what happens. Um, uh, one other, a couple other news before we get to Malcolm McDowell and Hillary Swank coming up later on here in the show. Uh, you and I both agree casting Wendell Pierce as Perry White in the new Superman movie. I think that's uh, inspired casting to say the least. I I would agree. Oh, Holly, he's, he's an excellent actor. Uh, I think he will fit that part really well you know i'm not that familiar i'm not familiar at all actually with the the lead actor david Cornsweet, who's going to play clark kent uh superman he certainly looks the part rachel bronson i, I gotta tell you my guy my gut feeling is she'll be the best lois lane since margaret uh kidder yeah in the she, original richard donna she looks they the part it. big time they they just announced a change of title it was titled superman legacy now they're just going to call it superman uh, I wish it was another year before they released the film. I think the general public in terms of going to superhero movies probably needs a two-year breather. We're going to get this movie July of 2024. I got to tell you, this might be, and I don't think what I'm saying is uh, an overstep. This might be one of the most important films uh, made in a very long time, simply because he got a genre that was an absolute cash gangbuster and you saw a quick dive in the last year and a half with the understanding that a lot of these sub characters not batman superman captain america iron man are just not going to fly uh in terms of people just lining up waiting to rush through the doors at the multiplexes so this is a huge film uh, and i can't imagine in all honesty more pressure on one guy than james gunn Helming this. He's certainly a confident guy. He's got the cast doing TikTok videos. They just started filming two days ago, which was the anniversary, I believe, of the creation of the character of Superman. Both me and you are huge, huge fans yep. of what Richard Donner did in, in 78 in the sequel, Superman Part Two. Uh we both well, they like just released some uh lot, but you know they just released some artwork for the uh the poster yeah. art for for the for the movie coming up too, and it looks pretty good. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I couldn't agree more. If anything was going to revive or save superhero movies, this is every all the weight is on this movie here to do so. I, some could argue the next Spider-Man movie too with Tom Holland, um, or the last one with Tom Holland. However, that pans out. We did get some funny news uh, across the wire this past week, where Thomas Hayden Church somewhat, kind of, I guess, glibly said that Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire are coming back to make a Spider-Man four, the original Sony trilogy might get a fourth one, Chuck, which you and I both kind of a little scoff at as, is it really news, but boy, it'd be great news if it were true. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the odds of that happening probably less than 50% of this, I think it's more wishful thinking, but he might have some insight, uh, just to, to some extent, you know, would Sony want to go in that direction and have diverse roads 
in his in his Spider-Man canon. I'd love to see it. I I I think the concept of people we've seen obviously it worked gangbusters with bringing back Tom Cruise and Maverick, which we both love, and I think it's really one of the best genre movies made in the last decade. Uh, it's emotional wallop uh, in in the last half hour of that. Uh, well, look how good that movie. It's box office. It just yeah, look how it. good uh, the last Spider-Man movie was. Just having all them back together for you know the the last thirty minutes of that film are just you know, is remarkable what they did so, and how they so, pleased fans. So what you're saying is you're on board now with the Warner Brothers saying, hey, Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, let's do one last Batman movie. No, I'd love it. Uh, I'm, I'm not. But you know what? I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather they say Chris, I'd rather they say Chris Nolan. Um, would you like to do one more Batman movie? And, and, and I'd be OK with that. Christian Bale. And, and that that I'd be more in line doing. Chuck, we've got Hillary Swank and Malcolm McDowell back to back here. Why don't we set these two up? Um, and I know Hillary's first. She got that brand new movie that you just loved, and we talked about it earlier. What else we're going to talk about? I know you de- you deep, really deep into the core, right? You guys talk a lot about her starring role opposite of, uh, you know, Delroy Lindo and Stanley Tucci, the disaster movie. I, you had to go right to the core of, of, of that of that movie, right? <laughs> so, so Does that come up at I all? Did not. No, I, I somehow I didn't remember that until you just jogged my memory. I mean, we basically reflected on her life as an actress, mostly. We talked about this film. Uh, we talked about faith-based films, and 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 uh, and and her. At the end of the interview, I, I talked about her start in the business being on Beverly Hills, nine zero two one zero. She could not have been a nicer person. I thought it was a great interview. Did in you get a chance? To, McDow- did you get a Did you get a little tease into whether she's going to make an appearance on Cobra Kai? I did not, and I'm going to tell you why. Because everybody has asked her that question. On this show that we do, I don't like to ask questions everybody else is asking. So I, I always you. go down a different road. That's what makes us a different. That's what makes you animal. great, Chuck. That's right. a, it's just, I mean, well, let's I face it. <laughs> um, and also, you know, Malcolm McDowell, yeah, and, and I do know this. You do bring up time after time. And you and I are huge fans of that movie. Well, people have not discovered that. I, I, we, we, well, first, we talk, first half of the interview, we talked about his sitcom that he appears on on the CW. It's called Son of a Critch. And he told really good stories. I got to tell you, I got a chance to watch it. I really liked it. It reminded me of the Wonder Years. It takes place in the 1980s uh, in Canada. It's a Canadian produced show, which the WC has just picked up. But we reflected on his career. And when I brought up time after time, Mike, he literally lit up. He had so much great Memories about that. He played Soren in Star Trek Generations. He told me how he got that role, and he told me about his relationship with uh, uh, Patrick Stewart and William Shatner, both which he respect and adore uh, tremendously. Um, and I got to tell you, he was a really good storyteller and an absolute gentleman. I, I was an absolute pleasure to uh, get to speak to Malcolm, who's an Didn't... iconic actor going back to uh, Clockwork Orange in 1971. Yeah, sure. Didn't he kill Captain Kirk? He did. He did. And we we talked about the fact that he actually got uh, death threats playing a fictional character. <laughs> and it, he talked about the fact that they didn't want they didn't want to pay him what he felt he was worth. And he had to renegotiate to uh, get involved in the project. And we also talked about the fact how he was cast type uh, got cast uh, typecast as playing villains. Yes. In movies like uh, Blue Thunder. In, uh, in in 1983, but he was a really really good storyteller. 
All right, coming up now, Hillary Swank and Malcolm McDowell back-to-back on Movie Moments. On the line today, really special guest, two-time Oscar-winning actress Hillary Swank. Hillary known for doing great work in movies like Million Dollar Baby, Boys Don't Cry, Freedom Riders, and did a terrific television show that aired for one season called Alaska Daily. I was a big fan. Hillary currently doing the rounds promoting a new film, Ordinary Angels, which is currently currently playing on over 3,000 screens in movie theaters nationwide thanks for coming on pleasure to speak to you thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it now uh, i got a chance to watch this film i went to the movies yesterday afternoon four o'clock show ordinary angels and uh, i gotta tell you i enjoyed it immensely and what i liked about it before you set this film up what i liked about it is that it packs an emotional wallop And I thought a lot of the sequences in this movie, the acting, the direction, was very subtle. And it does a lot of what they call seed planting. It plants a lot of emotional payoff scenes that come later in the film. And that is the best kind of movie. And I got to tell you, when I walked out and 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 I put my head on the pillow last night, that movie really stayed with me. It's a great character. It's based on a fact based story. And I would highly recommend people going to see, if you want to see what they used to call an old school movie, character driven, great story, good acting, good directing, with a really good emotional payoff, which is completely earned. I say to, to the audience, go see the Angels. Set this movie up, Hillary. Tell the audience what this is about. Well, thank you for saying all of that. I really appreciate it. You, 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 did, uh, you did my job for me. <laughs> Um, this is a movie um, that uh, is, is like you said, it's a, it's a feel-good movie at heart, but you do cry at times, um, but you cry because you relate to it. It's a story about this, um, depending, I mean, Alan's going to say it from his point of view, obviously, and the other characters, but from my point of view, I play this woman named Sharon Stevens, who is this larger-than-life um, human who wears her heart on her sleeve and goes about everything with gusto. Um, she's imperfect. She's definitely flawed like we all are. She's um, still going through the dark night of her soul and wakes up and realizes she's got to make change. She's disconnected from her son. She um, sees this family and this young girl specifically in need and really through serving her finds her, her deepest purpose. And it's a reminder in a lot of ways about second chances and the need for second chances. And I feel like we're in such a kind of disposable community right now, and we forgot about, about the good in others and, and the good in ourselves. And um, so I feel like right now, more than ever, we need a movie like this. Um, certainly in, in, in my lifetime, I, I think this is it, we're like the biggest time we've ever needed something like this. I would I would agree. You know, one of the things that I, I got out of this film, you know, we're living in a very interesting time. You know, so many people are, are taught to be divided unnecessarily. I mean, at the end of the day, people are people. I want to talk on on, on this with you. First, I want to ask you, uh, the character you play, Sharon Stevens, um, how did you learn about her? Did, did you did you meet with her? Um, how did how did you learn to, to, to understand who this person was and, and what made her tick and, 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 do, and why did she do the things that she did, which were, which were incredible. Yeah, well, 
she is definitely an angel. Um, and I didn't get to meet with her. Um, she has a book, which is a beautiful read. Um, but it was all really on the page. I got to know her through reading about her um, in this script. Um, my dialect coach, my dad had passed away just about three months after, uh, three months before I got this script. So um, I got a, like, it was, I felt like my dad sent me this story because it was so, it would have been his favorite movie of mine that I did. And it dealt with issues that pertain to, to him, through, you know, uh, being an organ uh, transplant recipient. Um, my dad's a Christian. Um, but um, I, my point is, is that I didn't get a lot of time to talk to her. So because I was moving through um, losing my dad and um, finishing another project, so I had my dialect coach um, ask her a lot of questions that, that I would have asked, and I got to know her a little bit deeper through that as well. Got it. Now, tell me about the, the aspect of how this movie's uh, uh, marketed in terms of, I'll give you an example. I, I interviewed Neil McDonough a few months ago when he was promoting the movie The Shift. And, and I said to him, give me, a, give me an idea what you think about movies being categorized as faith-based. Um, would you say this movie is a faith-based movie? And is that the, uh, see, I, I, when I watch this movie, I said to myself, this is a movie for everybody. This is a, a human story that hits emotional chords, which is relatable to 100% of anybody and everybody who goes to a movie theater. But in terms of people who say, oh, that's Ordinary Angels is a faith-based movie, how would you respond to that categorization? I'm really glad you asked that because um, it is definitely being talked about as a faith-based movie, but I have to say, I mean, there's no religious, there's no nothing hitting you over the head that's like overtly religious at all. I think it's a movie about getting second. I would agree. I, 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 I agree with that. Yeah. And I feel like, um, it's almost like we're in the day and age. If you have a feel good movie, it's coined faith based, <laughs> you know? Um, but I think, um, because you do get a, uh, there's, there's, there's a few people in here in this movie that get second chances. It's about community coming together, which is, I think, uh, faith based, um, organizations come together as a community, so I think because of that, they call it that. But, I mean, um, there's really, I don't, you know, nothing in there that, because a lot of people have said that to me when they're interviewing me, and a lot of people who are going to the right. movies who aren't religious, they might be spiritual, or but they're not religious, or they might not be even spiritual, or saying, I don't feel that at all, I just, but I loved it. We got an A-plus uh, cinema score, which none of my movies have ever gotten. I, I saw that. Again, on the line with Oscar-winning actress Hilary Swank promoting her new terrific movie, Ordinary Angels, which I uh, highly recommend. I, I want to pick your brain on this. You know, post-COVID, the industry's really... I've been doing this but on film for 30 years now, and I've seen a lot of changes, none more so than I've seen post-COVID, where Hollywood puts so much emphasis on their streaming divisions. And what plays theatrically has basically been superhero movies and male oriented testosterone-driven action films. So when you get a movie like this in theaters, uh, Ordinary Angels, I think it's a refreshing uh, a refreshing change of pace. We need more movies like this playing in theaters. Do you think, my question to you is this, do you think the industry as a whole has steered people 
to such an extreme that they feel movies like this are somewhat of an aberration and not the norm, which they were in the 80s and 90s. Because when I watch this movie, Hillary, I got to tell you, the first thing that popped in my, my mind was this feels like Aaron Brockovich or The Blind Side. It was that good. I put this movie in that caliber of really terrific movies. Thoughts on that? Thank you for, for saying all of that. And yes, I, 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 I feel like, um, you know, there's a difference between art and commerce, right? There's, there's finding that happy balance, which I understand both. I mean, people want to return on their money. And I think that a lot of people see that these big tentpole movies bring in a huge return without recognizing that, like, not every movie needs to make $500 million to be a success. Like, we don't need to make that much on a return. Like, let's continue to also make art and make movies that we relate to and that we learn from and that we can be entertained from as well. I mean, we hit all three of those boxes. But, I mean, I don't want to go watch all these shoot 'em up movies. Like, uh, there's enough. It's like, that's, it's, it's almost overwhelming to me right now, um, especially. And the it's just nice to have a diversity. It's nice to have a choice and not only have one thing. It's like, let's have a little bit of everything. And I think um, studios kind of chase what is going to be a hit. And it's, it's not, a, uh, it's not a, there's no perfect science. And there's no, you can't always hit the bullseye because you make a movie a year before it's even released. So by the time it comes out, there's so much that's happened that's changed the zeitgeist of, of where we are. And so that's why it's always like magic in a bottle when something actually works. And so we, we're super proud to have a movie that is working and we're super, super happy that the word of mouth is so good and that people are really excited to get out there. If we, if we go to see movies like this, but to your point, it's going to keep it more um, of a diverse choice um, in the theaters um, and not just uh, um, direct to what they called streaming. Got it. Now, give me your experience on set with Alan Richson. Uh, I think, you know, to make this movie work, two characters have to good, have good performances. Yourself, you're outstanding. But I got to tell you, he was outstanding. And the movie, what, here's uh, two points. Jennifer Tilly co-wrote this movie. Jennifer Tilly, for the audience, uh, to jog their memory, she played the female lead in Psycho 2 and opposite Anthony Perkins in 1982. Uh the scripting in this movie is really good, and his performance is really good. He's known for playing Reacher, uh, big, big guy, but he is his character in this film is a little bit stubborn, and, and he opens up more at the end. I found it to be very cathartic. Tell me about your experience on set with Alan and also the director, John Gunn. G- give, me, give me your thoughts on, on those two guys. Yeah, um, so I didn't know Alan's work. I didn't actually even know what he looked like. He'd only just finished the first season of Reacher, which I hadn't watched, um, when John Gunn called me and said, um, I, I really want to cast this, this Alan Richin. He's, he's, he's not at all what I had in mind. I would have never actually thought about it, but he, was, he's, he called me and he, he's really fighting for the role, and I met with him, and he's perfect. He's actually just absolutely perfect and gets it in a really profound way. And um, So meeting Alan and getting the experience to work with him in this way before seeing any of his other work is just such a reminder that we are multifaceted as humans. We are more than what we seem, and it's just such a danger, I think, to pigeonhole anybody into 
one idea of, 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 of who they are. I think that's part of where a lot, I mean, making it a broader statement, where a lot of our issues stem today in the world and um, some of the systemic issues that we have and ide- ideologies that we have of others. But to, like, this is a, a, a nice analogy of it. Like, he's so much more than this, like, big muscular guy that kind of, as he says, fights his way out of, 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 of situations in films. You get to see him here be so real and, and um, so poetic, really, as a, as a father struggling um, in, 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 in a, like Ed, the, the real person did, in, in a, a very profound way, if you thought you, were gonna, you lost your wife and you were about to lose your daughter. Um, he, he's beautiful in the movie. He is. I, I agree with that. Again, on the on the line with Oscar-winning actress Hilary Swank promoting the terrific new film Ordinary Angels. Real quick, just uh, give give me your idea on uh, the subject matter that that delves heavily in this film, which is really head shaking. That that many uh, a citizen in this country deals with debilitating medical bills. And then give me your give me your thoughts on organ donations in general. Um. Well, my my. My father was a recipient of a lung transplant, so I know firsthand how it saves lives. And I really encourage anyone who isn't a donor to please become one today. It, there's millions of people waiting for an organ, um, and we can we can help them. Um, and um, yeah, debilitating medical health is it's so sad to think that you go in to to get something. Um, like like an organ, um, and uh, and and all of a sudden you have this second chance at life. Yet you you're almost unable to live under that debilitating um, mental. I'm sorry, um, um, debilitating medical bill. Right? Then you're what kind of life is that? Right. Um, it's very. Exactly. There's millions of people struggling with that, and so this is also a a, a movie that reminds us of that and. And um, RIP has come into uh, an organization um, has come in to to help raise awareness about that, and to for I think every ten dollars that's donated, they give a thousand to help eradicate someone's medical so, bill. So yeah, it's it's beautiful, no doubt. I, I just want to say this in closing: in 1997, you were on the TV show Beverly Hills 90210. When I met my wife, we used to watch that religiously. You, you were on the season, you played a single mom, one season, they go in a different direction, you get canned, you get an audition for Boys Don't Cry, you get the role, they pay you $3,000, you win an Oscar, uh, then, then you get Million Dollar Baby, a little while later, you win another Oscar. You've accomplished many great things. I got to tell you, uh, I think you're one of the best actresses working in the business in the last 25 years. I, 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 lo- I love your work. I, I, I want to say thank you for uh, bringing great storytelling to moviegoers uh, around the country and, and around around the world. It was a pleasure to speak to you. The movies, the movie is Ordinary Angels. I highly recommend it. I got to tell you, Hillary, that's a movie that's going to stay with me. Best of luck in all future endeavors. Pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much. What a what a wonderful way to start my day. I really appreciate it. Look forward to speaking to you on the next one. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Very special guest, the iconic and well-respected actor Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm's career started in the late 1960s and is going strong ever since. Some of the more notable work Malcolm has done, Clockwork Orange, directed by Stanley Kubrick, Time After Time, Blue Thunder, and Star Trek Next Generation's a movie back in 1997, in which he killed off 
the iconic uh, Captain Kirk. Malcolm currently doing the radio rounds promoting the uh, sitcom Son of a Critch, which uh, currently is airing on the CW Season 3. Uh, you can binge uh, Son of a Critch if you download the CW app, Season 1, 2, and 3, a total of 34 episodes. Malcolm, pleasure to speak to you. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Great. I got a chance to watch Son of a Critch Season 3 over the last uh, few days, and I got to tell you, I really enjoyed it. It was It was funny. It was poignant. It had a lot of good poignant moments. And I thought you were really, really good on this program. Could you set it up and tell the audience what it's about? Well, it's a family show, you know, uh, but it's basically a a coming of age. Um, We follow a young Mark Critch, who is uh, 13 or 14 when we catch him in season three. Season one, he was 12. So now he's 13 or 14. And uh, we, we go through all his life at home, his family, and then his school, and the bullies, the, the nuns, the, the, the teachers. And uh, what makes this rather special is, A, that it's brilliantly written by Mark Critch, who, and it's from, a lot of it's from his book, which was a memoir of him growing up uh, in the 80s. So it takes place in the 80s. It's kind of a little period. And, uh, it's uh, you know, Mark is a humorist, he's a comedian, and he's a very funny guy. And uh, the writing is very special. He's got a team of writers um, that are absolutely brilliant. And um, it's very special, this place of Newfoundland. Um, you know, uh, <clears throat> I'd only heard of it that never really even thought about Newfoundland, but it's, you know, you don't pass through Newfoundland to get anywhere. You have to actually go there. It has to be your destination. So really, there's not that many okay. visitors that go there. But it's the nearest landmass to uh, the uh, Titanic wreck. That's where they all go from, you know, James Cameron and all that going down sure. in the sub. That's where they went from. Uh, it's right underneath Greenland, and it's the most easterly point in North America. You know, so uh, there you are. And uh, but it, it's, I think it's a bit like going to Ireland or Scotland in the fifties. It's sort of like a bubble. Uh, not that they haven't got everything, you know, technology-wise and all that, but it's there's a certain uh, sort of. Uh, camaraderie and innocence about the place, which I really adore. They're very nice people. You know, uh, you can wait at a stop sign a long time. It's always after you. No, after you. No, please, I insist. (laughs) After you. So, you know, you sit there for 10 minutes going, just get on with it. Um, You know, they are very nice people, you know, and I I really have a great time and. the I really look forward to going there. Of course, I've only been there in the summers. The winters are a bit brutal, I think. But um, got it. if you've got the right coat, then you're fine. Now, now tell me about the young actor who's really the star of the show. His name is Benjamin Evan Answorth. Uh, what advice? Have you given him any <laughs> advice about the career as an actor and what he faces going forward uh, in this industry? I mean, well, your, your career has spanned now seven decades, a long time. Yeah, I wouldn't presume to give Benjamin any advice. 
He's a very accomplished actor. And this is not his first gig. You know, he's actually done quite a few things. And he did, I think he did a, he did a Pinocchio with um, Tom Hanks and stuff like that. And he's really pretty good. And uh, I think he's a fantastic actor, actually, as good as any, you know, you could work with. And he's always on point. He always knows his lines. In fact, he knows mine as well. So I always go, <laughs> what's my line? Quick, what's my line? Oh, God, yes. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. I know what my line is. You know, and um, so we have that kind of wonderful relationship. And um, in fact, at one point, uh, we were doing a scene in the room because they share a bedroom, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm lying on my bed and we've got this dialogue. And uh, and there was a, a long pause and I thought, oh, God, it's probably me. You know, I've forgotten something. And I went back in my mind. I went, good Lord, for once. It isn't me. And I said, Benjamin, I think it's your line. <laughs> and he looked at me and he went, oh, I was acting. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize we were doing <laughs> pinter pauses. <laughs> so he's teaching you a few things. <laughs> he was doing a big pause, you know, I guess. I'm quite right, but of course I was zipping through. And... um he was a little bit annoyed at me for spoiling his moment. So we went back and he got it. So it was fine. Very good. On the line again with actor Alka what? McDowell uh, promoting season three of Son of a Critch. You know, I read an interview that you did. You said you will continue to act as long as you're having fun. I take it you're still having a great time in this industry acting. You want to expand on that? Yes. Absolutely. And I stand by what I said. I'm having a lot of fun right now, and uh, it's good. As long as you can learn and you can retain, you know, and um, you're not infirm, God knows. You never know when anything's about to strike you because when you get, you know, as old as I am, I'm 80 now, then, you know, it's a minefield out there. You, you almost don't like to go to the doctor for a checkup, you know, to get a long okay. list of, well, you know, you could go in and, get this and that and uh, you, so I try and keep away as long as possible but uh, I feel pretty good I'm pretty healthy thank goodness and, um, and and I do as you say I do love what I do and therefore I'll just carry on until uh, until Very I'm not good. enjoying it I got you now let's ref- reflect for, for a second I knew you were a great actor beside Clockwork Orange in, in 1971 which is an iconic movie directed by Stanley Kubrick. In 1979, very few actors could be so diverse to star in Caligula and they also do the movie Time After Time. I got to tell you, when I was a kid, Time After Time was one of my favorite movies of that decade. Could you have memories of doing that movie? Oh, yes. I love that movie. You know, we, we went... I, actually, I'd come from the set in Rome of Caligula, which was pretty horrific. And hard. It was really tough. And then go, um, and it was a wonderful script. Uh, the time after time script. Uh, Nicholas Meyer did a. It was a wonderful. He also directed it, and he cast me. And I'm forever grateful that he cast me as H. G. Wells rather than Jack the Ripper, 
because that would have been the obvious kind of thing. Right. But he exactly. uh, he gave me the sort of the love interest, uh, which was really uh, so cool. And my dear friend David Warner played Jack the Ripper, and we've been oh, he's friends incredible. for a long. He's incredible in yeah, he's an incredible actor and a great guy. He was. He yeah. passed away. I got another one. Uh, okay. I met Mary Steenburgen. We fell in love, had two right. children. And so, um, awesome. of course, I have to say, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, me, me too. That is a great movie. 1983, you're in Blue Thunder. You play the villain opposite Roy Scheider. You got that catchphrase, yeah. catch me later. It's like, I love that movie. Directed by John... Bantam, uh, at that point in your career, were you being typecast as villains, and how did you feel about that? Yes, I was in America always. Uh, well, you know, I mean, you know, I had two kids by this time, so, you know, I had to put um, food on the table, as they say. So uh, sure. I wasn't that. But, you know, I, I could have gone back to England, I suppose, and uh, renewed my career there, which was... Uh, going pretty well but i fell in love with mary and she was just starting out and so and and then we had a you know our first child so i wasn't going to leave and go back and live in england i mean that was not even it didn't even occur to me you know and so that Understood. was it and i became an american then you know you. so um and certainly not regretted it but it just that the career went a different way. So, you know, I played a lot of heavies. Yes, but, you know, heavies are usually the best parts. Again, on the line with actor Malcolm McDowell promoting season three of the CW sitcom Son of a Critch, a really good sitcom. I, I got another question for you. When you did, uh, when, when you played Soren in Star Trek Generations, were you a fan of the mm. show, and did you realize how much backlash you would ta uh, face playing a fictional character that kills off Captain Kirk. What was that part of your life like then when you made that movie? Well, I turned it down a couple of times because they were very stingy with their um, pay. They didn't want to pay mm -hmm. me to kill him. I went, well, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a charity. Why shouldn't I be paid the proper fee? So uh, eventually they, they right. came up. Right. Uh, and um, I did it, but there again, you know, I knew Patrick Stewart from 1965, mm -hmm. he was in the same Shakespeare company, Royal Shakespeare Company, with David Warner. So we were, wow. I knew him well, and, um, you know, I, he's a, a wonderful actor, of course. And I, I, I sort of laughed at him doing this science fiction thing, this TV show, you know. Uh, but, of course, you know, it went on to be the iconic one. And um, he was marvelous as uh, Captain Picard, uh, really oh, yes. a very, they, you know, they they really made something of it. And uh, so the movie was, was fun to do. I really enjoyed working with Shatner, you know, I was amazed. Uh, he was, I, I mean, I just really laughed at him because it's quite funny, you know. And, um, but I have to admire Bill Shatner. He's 90 years old or whatever he is, he's still working. And yes. become an astronaut and flown up to the heavens or whatever. And, I mean, that takes some guts, either that or they completely doped him up. Um, but I think that he just loved the adventure of it, and I really do um, salute him. I, I think he's 
an amazing guy, actually. And I'm very fond of it. That's really, that's really cool to hear. Uh, Malcolm, it was an absolute pleasure to speak to you again for people in the audience. Uh, Son of a Critch, a terrific sitcom, which Malcolm is featured. You do really good work. Malcolm, uh, I, I am a fan. Uh, I respect your body of work. It's a great uh, piece of movie history, everything you've done over the last seven decades. Best of luck at all future endeavors. A pleasure. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Thanks for listening to Movie Moments with Chuck Curry and Mike Rags. Download and listen to an archive show or be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear our new episodes.